Oh my gosh, folks. Welcome to this King of Stuff podcast thing, and I'm John. It's been a long week, I'm sure for everybody, but um, it has been a whirlwind of activity here at uh, Ricochet Towers, looming. I'm in the 120th floor, looming over downtown, beautiful downtown Apache Junction, Arizona. It's been very busy, lots of uh, writing, lots of recording, lots of... Very important media appearances. I was on Glenn Beck this morning. I'd never talked to him before. Went really well. So um, shout out to Glenn for uh, catching some love from the ex-John fans out there. But uh, as we know, this election season has been crazy, especially for me here in Arizona, where they don't know how to count past 10. They're still counting the votes here. I think a quick summary, and I get into it more with our guest, I think the Republicans in general are going to win Something that's just on a knife edge is Blake Masters versus Mark Kelly going to the U.S. Senate. I really hope Blake pulls it out, but boy, it is a very, very close one. I think it's obvious Carrie Lake's going to win. Once some more votes come in and are counted, I might talk more about on the back end. Um, I'm a little loopy now from lack of sleep, and uh, thank goodness for Beam Dream. You're going to hear more about them later. That has definitely helped out. But uh, I wanted to talk to someone who I know my listeners love, and it was great to catch up with him. I've appeared with him on the call-in app on the show he does over there. It is Stephen Miller, former co-host of mine when we had the Conservatarians podcast, and uh, yeah, we're always keeping in touch. So it was great to have him on, just chat about the elections in general. So here is that interview. Please enjoy. It is such an honor to have... Stephen Miller on. Uh, you work with Trump so closely. You sealed up that. Oh, wait, you're a different Stephen Miller. I think, I think we used to be on a podcast together, if memory serves. Uh, I'm getting old, so my memory is not that good anymore. <laughs> that was a that was a long time ago. Yeah, that long was, time ago yes, before my gender us. change. So, yeah, it's it's been a yeah, while. You have like a Norris God's beard now, and <laughs> I'm just greater. And that's just where we're at. Oh, yeah. When the beard grows in, that's pretty damn gray. I'm like, whew, I can't hide it anymore. Yeah, I'm a little I'm, – I'm probably more cynical now, too, than I was a few years ago. I'm going to have to go back and listen to some of those <laughs> earlier episodes. I'm kind of where you were like four years ago now. I'm basically yeah. morphing into you. <laughs> that's always – I highly recommend that to all the listeners, to morph into your own uh, ex-John. So what are your thoughts about the big election? It was supposed to be a big red tsunami <laughs> or at least a red wave. Eh. It was kind of there. I think more good news is going to come out from these slow voting or slow vote count states like my own. But, uh, uh, yeah, it wasn't a big deal like so many people thought it would be. Uh, I think the right got ahead of its skis on looking at close polling like uh, Zeldin in New York and uh, Tudor Dixon in Michigan. Um, and I think that they just, I think one of it, it's just, uh, history. It's, these are always usually wave elections in one direction or the other Two, I think they just got ahead of their skis a little bit on polling. Um, when for, for right now, it, it looks like the polling is mostly accurate. Uh, the, the Senate was always supposed to be 52, 53, 51, 50. 
in that range. And then the house was supposed to be pickups. Uh, obviously, the house races are the ones where you're, it's kind of like, huh. But if you notice, uh, the GOP took the popular vote, John, in the house. I know. That's uh, you're not seeing a lot of talk about that anymore. Nope. Um, because they they, t- they showed how, like, even though, like, Benny Thompson, for example, uh, the chair of the January 6th committee, who's also an election denier, by the way, uh, <laughs> like, his vote was cut down. He, he only took, like... He's usually up in the high 60s, and he only took like the low 50s. So they're 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 showing how the vote got cut. Um, wow. So as far as like the wave is concerned, I I've always said like this is I don't understand why Biden and his team and like Ron Klain are all coming out and spiking the football because it's he could still end up losing both chambers. He could end up losing the House and the Senate. Um, and so I kind of look at this and I go, I don't care if they take the House by two or three seats, you're still going to take the House. Um, I noted on my podcast, I think what happens now is all of, you know, people hoping for impeachment hearings for Biden. I think that those are out the window. I think Hunter Biden investigations out the window for now. Uh, I, I think a lot of that kind of stuff is probably dumb because you just don't have the majorities and the support to do it. So um, I also think that there's obviously the big elephant in the room, the big orange elephant in the room, which is what do you do about former president boomer dad? Um, (laughs) I don't know. Uh, I've just I've kind of been looking. I I wrote back in June that the only people that are going to send Trump away are GOP voters. That's it. It's not going to be Merrick Garland. It's not going to be the Department of Justice and he's not going to jail. Um, It's not going to be, you know, professional never Trump or even anti-Trump people. It's not going to be National Review. It's not going to be Politico. It's not going to be people like me or you. The voters are going to have to make up their minds on him. And I will say, and me just talking to normal people, which is what I kind of do that on call-in, and which is why I like doing call-in. I'm, I'm talking to people all over the country. And it's not like a, you know, an empirical polling or anything, but they're fed up. They're they're over the antics. They're over the name calling. They're over the nicknames and the stories of workshopping nicknames. And um, it, as we're starting to see, obviously, Mark Caputo, who used to be a Florida political reporter, basically all but confirmed that Trump's team, that he's announcing a run on Monday. And this unnamed advisor said, you know, it's it, it looks like 2015 all over again, where the establishment's lining up and uh, pundits are all lining up and the swamp is lining up and they're all lining up behind Trump and they're going to regret it. And that's all true, except this is the first time I've seen actual Trump voters go, we've had enough of this. And uh, I uh, what I wrote at Examiner is – the only way he's going to start to lose, you have to, if you want to get rid of the guy, right? You have to erase his. You have to erase his voting base. That's where his power comes from. His powers never come from Washington and uh, donors and lobbyists and Mitch McConnell and the, the swamp or the establishment or whatever. It's come from his voting base, his grassroots voting base. And in order to kind of erode at that, you have to dangle something shinier in front of them. And it, it, at least for the time being, it looks like they have that shinier thing in front of them. And that's simply all it's going to take. Um, so this is the first time I've seen actual voters just sitting here going, we're tired of this. We're, we're tired of the the, the, the nicknamings and uh, the true social posting and the leaking. And uh, I, I don't know. I think they're starting to say, do we really want to go through another five years of this? Because if he announces 
he announces Monday he's going to suck all of the oxygen out of the Georgia runoff. And I, I made a joke on Colin that Brian Kemp needs to handcuff himself to Herschel Walker. Yep. And just run him all over the state. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, like midnight run style. And whenever Trump tries to enter the state of the Georgia or get off his plane, just hit him with a cattle prod. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and just put him right back on the airplane, slip the pilot a hundred and take off, you know? <laughs> um, the the problem is I don't think Herschel Walker can say no to Trump. He seems like a guy who is, you know, through and through a, a diehard Trump guy. So if Trump says, let me come to Georgia, Herschel Walker might just go, okay, Mr. Trump, you know? And yeah, right. um, I think, <clears throat> I really think, I, I you, you, you are seeing cracks in the Trump wall, pardon the pun, the big, beautiful Trump wall. Um, and I think if he somehow torpedoes this Georgia runoff, if he goes to Georgia and, you know, takes shot at Kemp and he takes a shot at DeSantis, which I think is all is a hundred percent possible. Um, I think that that's the end. I think people are going to say you've cost us two Senate races. You've cost us, you know, well, not all of your fault, but the candidates that you endorse, these, you know, these celebrity apprentice style candidates that you created and you handpicked um, all lost. You lost to Joe Biden. Um, I think all of that stuff, I think, uh, is too much for him to overcome should a, a shinier option jump in the race. Yeah, I I agree with what you're saying. What I'm hearing from some pretty diehard Trump people, you know, even like stop the steal types going, yeah, okay. It's kind of like, okay, we're on, we don't need another season of this TV show. It's kind of dated now, um, making fun of people, sticking it to the press. And now there's so many other people who are doing it and doing it better than he did. Um, They're just tired of it. And uh, as far as any challengers, they just have to say, hey, why didn't you fire Fauci? Hey, why you know why did you why were you fine with the lockdowns? Hey, why didn't there, you stop the riots are, your are. last summer in office? Yeah, I mean, there's clips of Trump saying, you know, I did whatever Fauci told me to. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and if you put that into an ad, and th- this is why this is why this is different to me than 2015, 2016, is Trump was uh, you know uh, an unknown quantity back then. He, he he could he could slap the crap out of Jeb Bush and he could, you know, and people loved it. And he could, you know, he could go after little Marco on immigration and people loved it. And he could make fun of Rand Paul's hair or something and people loved it. Um, if it is the Florida governor who gets in the race, well, he doesn't have establishment ties. He's been pretty good at just doing his thing in Florida. You know, he's he's even really stayed away from Trump. He hasn't even commented on Trump, really. Even throughout the entire pandemic, he's just kind of doing his own thing down there and welcoming in, you know, hundreds of thousands of people <laughs> from all over right, the country. Right. You know, come on in. Here's some hot coffee and some hurricanes. Have fun. <laughs> and he doesn't have a, a brother who intervened in foreign wars. You know, he mm-hmm. this is the whole thing. Um, he has a successful track record of governing and he, you know, he's the guy who can say, you know, I, I was taking on Disney while you were ranting on true social about stop the steal. Yeah. And I, I really, you know, anything can happen and you and I went through it and I was just talking about this on my podcast today. I was like, I'm old enough to have gone through this before. I'm old enough to have made wrong predictions before. I'm old enough to, you know, watch Trump just kind of curb stomp an entire field. But you could very well see, and again, this is just all hypothesis because that's all we have now. You know, it's like elections over, midterms are over. 
um, usually we get a breather of a few, you know, six, seven, eight months before mid before a presidential run then starts. And if Trump announces, we're just off and ground, we're off and running next week. And uh, the thing that I kind of hypothesize is you could see a scenario where. People who want to run. So you have, you know, who would you think? There's Pence, there's Haley, possibly Pompeo, Scott, uh, Pompeo, um, Don Jr. Um, uh, Cotton said he's out. But you, you have like a field of eight or nine people that we know of that are teasing the waters. Right. Larry right. Hogan, possibly Liz Cheney is a protest candidate. So you could <laughs> you got 10 people in there, right? Yeah, so, yeah. I think they're smart enough to know that's how Trump won last time. He split – he gained a plurality. He split the vote nine ways. And I think there's a possibility you could see something along the lines of you know, what happened in the Democratic primaries in 2020, which was you know, Bernie – people remember Bernie won the first two or three of those primaries. Yep. And then Biden – Biden was left for dead, pardon again, you know, <laughs> or deader. Easy and, to um, then you got to South or South Carolina, I believe, and that's when uh, Jim Clyburn said, basically went to Klobuchar and Buttigieg and said, "You guys can't win. Okay, yeah. you're 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 consistently third, fourth, and fifth. You're not you're not going to pull this off." Kamala was already retired by Tulsi when Tulsi, you know, shivved her on a debate <laughs> stage, and Tulsi's another one you could see jump in to the. Republican primaries. Um, but Jim Clyburn basically went to Buttigieg and Klobuchar and said, you need to drop out and endorse Biden right now. And yeah. they did that. And that was it. And then Clyburn got the Congressional Black Caucus to endorse him. And that was the race. Mm-hmm. Biden just took off from there. So you could see this kind of scenario on the right, where even all of these eight or nine candidates who want to run, they probably look at their polling and they say, you don't really have a shot here. And they could all probably just defer and you could end up just seeing DeSantis versus Trump. And they all just kind of back DeSantis. And um, that's one thing we haven't seen happen with Trump. Trump has never taken on one person other than Hillary Clinton and, and won. Um, and so, again, that's a hypothesis. I don't I don't even know if DeSantis is running or not. I kind of am now falling into I don't know how he doesn't. I don't know how based on what happened in Florida – I don't know how he doesn't run. He has the money to do it. He has the war chest. He didn't have to spend very much. He he took a state where he barely won in 2018 and just he won by, you know, 30 percent, millions of votes. He, he shifted demographics to where Hispanics, Latinos of, of all, you know, origins and backgrounds, South American and uh, Hispanic and stuff like that. They all went over to him by about, you know, 13 percent. And if he can do it there, he can probably do it in parts of the rest of the country. And so I look at it and I go, I don't know how he doesn't at this point. Yeah, I agree. This is, you know, the time is right for him to do it. You got to grab the brass ring. And as far as uh, facing down Trump, you just got to face him down. Like you said, it won't be 15 people running against him in the end, at least probably not. We hope not that the GOP has a little bit of a slight amount of uh, sense left in him. And it's an opportunity also for him just to calmly, quietly, without name calling, just bring up his record. It's like, look, we gave you a chance. We appreciate what you did. You lost to Biden. You know, how'd you lose to that guy? And then go into the COVID stuff, go into why didn't you get the wall built, blah, blah, blah. And it's going to have an impact. The other thing, too, that I, that I see, and I see this popping up, not, you know, some GOPers, but Dems, independents especially, 
do we need another guy? He gets a second term. He'll be 78, Biden's age, when he starts um, running against maybe, if he's still sentient, Joe Biden, who is a couple of years older than him. You got Nancy Pelosi, who is what, 312? You got Mitch McConnell. 314. Yeah, yeah. Mitch McConnell, who's two years older than her. It's like, guys, we, okay, relinquish boomers, relinquish relinquish your grip on this. You've been running things for a long time, enough already. And um, I think, you know, that's not, you know, you don't need to insult Trump to do that. It's just like, look, we need, you know, this is a serious situations going on. We no longer need solutions from the 1980s, heck, the 1940s. You know, we need people who are cognizant, who are vital, who are ready to roll right now and not bitching and complaining has about a, what has happened. Has a pulse, past. you know, doesn't, yeah, doesn't yeah. have a resting heart rate of 42 beats a minute. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I do not want to see another campaign sponsored by Werther's Candies. It's just like, okay. Enough already. It, you, it's a generational you, thing, and people are ready to move. And I'm sorry, it looks bad. I follow a lot of foreign policy. It looks bad foreign policy-wise to have a bunch of young, vital leaders and then just are ossified, shuffling across the stage like the old uh, Tim Conway character. It's just, it's embarrassing. We look like idiots on the nationals, on the international stage. And uh, enough already. What do you think happens on the Dem side? You think? Do you, do you think? Uh, you know? You notice this? This? Lack of a red wave has Biden has the has the media and Biden like I'm running again. This is great. Until uh, you know, I made a comment to Noah Rothman. Until like two weeks from now, he licks the he licks the side of a child's face, and the economy <laughs> and the economy crashes. Right, right, right back to where they were prior to the midterms because nothing's really changed. Inflation's still where it is. Um, uh, Facebook's laying off ten thousand people. I bet they think it's a recession now. Yeah. Um, companies are laying off. We're getting told it's going to be a double dip in heading in. To next year, Biden can't blame the Republicans for the crashing economy, which I think is one of the most fascinating things no one is talking about right now. That for the last two to three weeks, Biden has been out there saying, if you put these guys in charge, the economy is going to crash. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens when it crashes next year? You're not going to blame a one-seat majority in the House of Representatives. Right. It's not going to be like it's not going to be like you find like some House rep in New York and go, "Thanks, dude." Um, <laughs> so the economy is going to go down. So what do you what do you what do you think happens? I, I see several. I see a few scenarios. One, I see Biden goes unchallenged. They just bite their tongue, and it's like we don't have a choice. He's the president. If he wants to run, okay. Uh, I possibly see him step. I possibly see him saying. He's one term, in which case I don't know how he doesn't endorse Kamala Harris. Yeah, that is going to be Jim Clyburn. Yeah, Jim Clyburn has said his support is for Biden or Harris, and if Jim Clyburn throws his weight behind Harris, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, which means you have you have a nominee or someone probably going in as with thirty six percent approval rating who probably still would get a primary. The other scenario I see is Biden gets a primary, um, which would be catastrophic for him. Uh, yeah, nobody has ever been reelected when they've been challenged in a primary. Right. So, so what do you, what what does your gut tell you over what do you see happening over there on on Biden's team? With the colder months approaching, nothing is more important than getting enough sleep. That's right. Those lazy summer days are dead and gone. People, it's time to prepare your body for cooler weather and very very busy schedules. 
if my life is any uh, reference point there. Sleep has far-ranging effects on everything from your energy levels to your mood to your immune system and even your hunger levels. It's truly your superpower this holiday season, and you don't want to miss these crucial seven to nine hours of sleep that you're supposed to be getting. Um, I've said before on this when I've advertised for this fine product, in fact, I've always had a tough time sleeping. And uh, something that really helped is this, introducing Beam Dream. And you've heard me in the past just raving about Beam's Dream Powder, their healthy hot cocoa for sleep. Well, today, my listeners get a special discount on a delicious seasonal flavor of Dream Powder called White Chocolate Peppermint. Imagine swirls of peppermint and creamy white chocolate, but with only 15 calories, better sleep has never tasted better. Dream contains natural sleep-promoting premium ingredients. It's triple lab tested, contains no THC, and you actually wake up refreshed instead of like when I've tried either over-the-counter or even prescription sleep aids where I'm just groggy for the next 36 hours, and it's terrible. You don't get that with Beam. A recent clinical study revealed that Dream helped 93% of users wake up feeling more refreshed, and 93% reported that Dream helped them get a more restful night's sleep I'm one of those uh, 93% folks. Just mix Dream into hot water or milk, stir or froth, and enjoy before bedtime. Find out why Forbes, the New York Times are all talking about Beam and why it's trusted by the world's top athletes and business pros. Don't love it? Get your money back, and that is a guarantee, folks. So if you want to try Beam's best-selling white chocolate peppermint dream powder, it's only available for a limited time, so grab some before it runs out. Beam is having their biggest sale of the year. And seriously, folks, once you try this stuff, you're going to be hooked in the best way because it's like, wow, I actually uh, fell asleep pretty easily. I wasn't stressed about my day. And then I actually was refreshed first thing when I woke up in the morning and not all groggy because I took some weird medicine that I don't even know what the heck it is. So anyway, Beam's having their biggest sale of the year. Get up to 50% off when you go to shopbeam.com slash cyber and use the code cyber at checkout. That's B-E-A-M dot com slash cyber and use code cyber for up to 50% off. So once again, the stuff works great. It's all natural. It's super easy to take. It's actually enjoyable to take at night. It's not some weird tasting concoction that you got from your local herbalist or something like that. Tastes good. Works great. Thanks very much to Beam for sponsoring the King of Stuff podcast. This is just a gut thing. Um, Biden just keeps getting worse, and he's getting worse fast, too. So I don't see him running in 2024. I might have to eat my words, but I just think health-wise. So an open primary event? More of it, but if he in- survives till 2024, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think that he's going to be running because the Democrats have had enough with him. They're already uh, kind of tipping their hand before this election, assuming it would be a red wave and saying, okay, good, we can write off Biden as soon as this election's over and blame that on him. Um, but I don't know how they defuse the Kamala bomb. I it is just like it's going to be a nightmare because they've based so much on gender and race identity. Yeah. The, Do you the mean, media clearly they would have to find a black female to shuffle into that position and they don't have Stacey Abrams anymore. Or or a Latina from the Bronx in New York. Oh, right, right. And can you see her just saying, oh, I bet I could sell some books if I threw my hat in the ring. You know, it'll get me exposure. It'll get me more Instagram followers. And she'll do it. She doesn't care. 
people don't believe me when I when I'm putting her name out there, and I I, I say. Uh, like you said about just doing she she her mentor is Bernie Sanders who yeah. almost challenged Obama in 2012 people forget that yeah and she's cut she's cut from that cloth and i think that she has a high and mighty opinion of herself based on like you said her instagram and her online following um i think it was notable that Lee Zeldin basically dragged five house candidates across Yeah. In New York City on Tuesday. He he didn't win, but he came close. Uh And that party better find a place for him uh, in the upper (laughs) the upper management, so to speak. Put him in charge of HR or something. Um, But he dragged like four or five House candidates across the line and she wasn't out there campaigning at all. She was on Instagram and Twitter bitching about Elon Musk and her verification status. Mm -hmm. Um, But I haven't seen anything where she, you know, any any demo. Democrats are making moves, um, but people don't believe me when I put her name out there. She is the absolute uh, antithesis of Biden. She's thirty-five. She'll be thirty-five. She'll, so she's not now, but she will be. She'll be eligible to be president. Um, she has the online presence. She has the media, which means if she jumps in, the media might jump with her, and that's all it takes. Um, if nothing else, I'm, she I'm with you. I think in good B-roll, and that's yeah, what they care about. She gets it's a test run for her for, you know, the next four or five, you know, two, three elections. But I'm with you. I, I really think Biden handicapped his party by choosing Kamala Harris because they needed the, because equity is everything to them. And it has been since uh, the 2020 riots and the George Floyd murder and all of that stuff, when Biden could have probably picked Klobuchar and been OK. Um, mm-hmm. but he couldn't pick her because Minnesota and she was a prosecutor. Yep. So they went with. This pick in Kamala Harris, which Jill Biden objected to at the time, we found out, right. and she's she has just her she she's plummeted. Her office is in chaos, just like her campaign was. Um, and so I'm kind of with you. Like even if even if he steps down, and that would still open a primary, he he has to endorse her. I don't know how he doesn't. Um, and so if he endorses her, and Jim Clyburn endorses her, that might be enough. Yeah, that's but game over. I, because... But what hap- what happens when Gavin Newsom throws his oh. greasy hat in the ring? And what happens when Pritzker in Illinois says he's looking at it? And what happens when Chris Murphy? And what, what happened that when you get an open broom primary? What happens when the affable cis white male gay mayor? That the media loves, who I really think that the media is throwing their weight behind Buddha Judge. You can kind of tell that's oh yeah they want. Yeah. But how do you how do you toss aside the first African American vice president for him for the for again the cis white male? Even though we get it, he checks some of the boxes. Um, I, I don't. I think he's really screwed the party on that side of the aisle. But I, I guess I look at it and say, if it's not Biden, I don't know how it's not Kamala heading into a race with thirty six percent approval rating. Yeah, and if you're uh, these days in the identity politics world, if you are a gay white male, you know you might as well be a Christian Christian nationalist storming the Capitol. It's just like they have no purchase anymore. They're like, oh, you're yesterday's news. And yeah, they moved on to the trans. They moved on to the trans thing. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you've seen kind of with the treatment of Dave Chappelle, for instance, um, you've really seen that the trans argument take over uh, for the LGBTQ and the and the and the gay side of that aisle. And you're starting to see resentment bubble up from the, you know uh, that side. You've seen Andrew Sullivan really come out hard against you know trans activism and some of that stuff. So yeah, I, I agree with you on that. 
Yeah, and you got Douglas Murray on the other side of the pond uh, doing the same thing, and you're seeing lots of um, you know lesbians and gay males of any race or stripe. You know, they're all being called turfs, and you guys are yesterday, and you're lame. Nobody cares about you anymore. Yeah, that's going to create a rift, especially when you have a Republican Party that wouldn't dare try to I don't know restrict gay marriage or anything like that, despite the uh, worries of uh, people on the left. It's just that issue is done in the voters' minds and in the politics. Politicians mind. They're not going to touch that third rail. They avoided abortion for 40 years. Now that's pretty much settled, or at least in the hands of the states. And uh, I, there's no way they're going to uh, jump into that argument again. If the voters demand it, like by overwhelming numbers, they might, and that ain't going to happen. Uh, you want to edit this part out. Trump just went nuclear on DeSantis. Oh. <laughs> One minute ago, he just released a uh, – should I just read this? Oh, go for it. We'll Let's leave see. it in. News Corp, which is Fox, The Wall Street Journal, and the no longer great New York Post, <laughs> is all in for Governor Ron DeSanctimonious, an average Republican governor with great public relations who didn't have, a, didn't have to close up his state but did, unlike other Republican governors whose overall numbers for Republican were just average, middle of the pack, including COVID, and who has the advantage of sunshine. <laughs> Where people from badly run states up north would go, no matter who Ron, no matter who Ron came to me in desperate shape in 2017, he was politically dead, losing in a landslide to a very good agricultural commissioner, Adam Putnam, who was loaded up with cash and great poll numbers. Ron had low approval, bad polls, and no money, but he said that if I would endorse him, he could win. I didn't know Adam, so I said, let's give it a shot, Ron. When I endorsed him, it was tough to use a bad term. A nuclear weapon went off. Whatever. Years later, they were the exact words that Adam Putnam used in describing Ron's endorsement. He said, I went from having it made with no competition to immediately getting absolutely clobbered after your endorsement. I then got Ron by the star of the Democratic Party, Andrew Gillum, who was later revealed to be a crackhead, <laughs> by having two massive rallies with tens of thousands of people each one. I also fixed his campaign, which had completely fallen apart. I was all in for Ron, and he beat Gillum. But after the race, when votes were being stolen by the corrupt election process in Broward County and Ron was going down 10,000 votes a day – Along with now Senator Rick Scott, I sent through the FBI, the U.S. attorneys, and the ballot theft immediately ended just prior to them running out of votes to win. Uh, I stopped. Now And now Ron Sanctimonious is playing games. The fake news asks him if he's going to run, if President runs, and he says, I'm only focused on the governor's race. I'm not looking into the future. Well, in terms of loyalty and class, that's not really the right answer. This is just like 2015 and 2016, a media assault collusion when Fox News fought me to the end until I won, and then they couldn't have been nicer or more supportive. The Wall Street Journal loved low-energy Jeb Bush and a succession of other uh, – sorry, I don't know who that is. The Wall Street Journal loved low-energy Jeb Bush and a succession of other people as they rapidly disappeared from sight, finally falling in line with me after I easily knocked them out one by one. We're exactly in the same position now. They will keep coming after us, MAGA, but ultimately we will win, put America first, and make America great again. Man – <laughs> this dude, that's that's like a, that's like a a novel. Yeah, yeah. That's that was a thing. I don't know how much of this you want to leave in, but that was the thing with the Ronda Sanctimonious tweet. Like that reminded me of the 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 nose insult scene in Roxanne. Uh, right, right. Uh -huh. The guy says big nose and he goes, is that really all you can come up with? Yeah. And he starts listing all the things like Ron DeFattis is hanging right out there. Right, you know? right. Or or Ron DeSant or Ron DeSatan is, is there all of these names are just right there. But um can't be death it feels, this is exactly. kind of what this feels like. It fe like why is Trump releasing a, a manifesto <laughs> and like DeSantis is down there taking care of a hurricane? It's mm -hmm. uh yeah, anyway, that was the statement.
Oh boy. Yeah. We will leave that indefinitely. Um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's just yesterday's news. It just feels like to me, you've had all sorts of people who are like, Oh, the bright, shiny new thing. And that's what Trump was in 2015, 2016. He's not that anymore. It's just like, ah, oh, great. Here he goes again. Here goes grandpa. Yeah, we agree. Grandpa. It's fine. Um, he's not going to step aside and Republicans just have to stand up to him. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, whether you support Trump, DeSantis or someone else, let him fight. Let's see um, if he can take a couple uppercuts from DeSantis, because I don't think he can. I think the guy, he's obviously very thin skinned. DeSantis said nothing bad about him. And he still is so provoked and freaked out and worried that uh, he has to unleash at him. Um yeah, we're not talking about a low-energy Jeb situation here. We're talking about a guy who is out there working his butt off, working harder than Trump ever did, and he's got the youth and stamina to prove it and the results to prove it. So uh, good luck with that, Don. Yeah, yeah, the other reason this feels different is Trump was always kind of a counterpuncher. Yep. Um, you know, so Jeb would say something about, you can't insult your way to the office, Donald, or whatever, and then he'd, you know, low energy. And yep. it, it, that's that's what's different about this. Like, DeSantis hasn't said anything about Trump, like nothing. Oh. And he's, like, out here losing his mind over him. And it's kind yep. of like – Huh. Like this is this is this is not how it used to be. Trump would never just preemptively go after someone who's never gone after him. Right. So right. A lot of people look into that. And it's like, is he scared? And Rich Laurie, I think, said it right that he just sees DeSantis in the way. Nothing else. Yeah. So kind of yep. just trying to pre nuke him. And like, I, I think it's interesting that he's just not saying anything like this. is just not he's just letting it all get out. Right. So and it's kind of like he's using up all his attack. You know, it's like, OK, now your clip's empty. Now what? You know, DeSantis hasn't even taken a shot yet. Yeah, it just I don't know. It just feels so tired. The whole thing feels tired. And like, as Rich Lowry said as well, this it's kind of like if somebody insults you on Twitter, if you respond, that means it stung a bit on some level. And, you know, DeSantis doesn't have to respond. And uh, the fact that Trump is freaking out like this, you know, he's just screaming and ranting and throwing taco bowls at the wall of Mar-a-Lago. And it's just like all you're doing is communicating. You might he might as well release something that just says, I am very, very insecure. I'm scared because Ron DeSantis might get in the way of me getting back to the White House because that's all it communicates. The only thing that I said that DeSantis should have done was he should have thanked Donald Trump for his vote. Uh, his victory speech. Right. That, right. Just that. Like, yeah. just, you know, th- you know, he thanks his family and he thanks God. And he, d- he does his whole thing. And um, and then he kind of goes down and he said, and I wanted to thank Donald Trump for his vote. Uh, mm. That really helped put us over the top. Right. <laughs> just just uh, just a little just a, like, you know, just, yeah. just a little bit of a poke. Um, yeah. It, I mean, the dynamics. For the first time, it, it, it kind of feels like they've shifted. And like I said, it's it's not because you and I, who podcasted all through 2015, all through 2016, were, were, were neither of us were really on the Trump train at all. I think predicted he would lose. So, you know, we had to we had to eat crow on that one, which was fine. But also like you and I exist in a very small niche of people where we didn't lose our minds over Donald Trump and we right. didn't. You know, we didn't make him the central focus of our political universe, especially as writers, as as pundits, as commentary. And I, I think, as you know, as we come out of this, I'm perfectly happy with the people who kind of. 
try to play this, you know, down the down the thing. It's like when Donald Trump does something good, we'll go, okay. Uh, when he does something off the chart, bat crazy, we'll just go, ah, that's not good. Um, and I'm fine going forward with only the people in the discussion who aren't who haven't made a million dollars off Trump while attacking him, um, mm-hmm. or the people who are just hardcore MAGA who aren't going to let go of him no matter what. I'm fine with only I'm fine leaving those people kind of on the sidelines to uh, fight amongst themselves while, like you said, the adults kind of try to move on a bit. Not to sound cliche, but the adults are in charge again because whatever. Um, but yeah, it's 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 it does to me feel like, and I hate to use the word vibe. Um, it does feel like a vibe shift in the sense. Oh of yeah. It, normal yeah, it, voters, normal people, are just finally, they're just finally tired of this. They're just kind of like, yeah. and but that doesn't mean he's not going to run. It doesn't mean he's not going to win, and it's not going to mean it's it, it's it doesn't mean he's not going to get the nomination. Here's a fun scenario for you. See what you think about this one. We were told democracy was kind of like on the on the brink of collapse, right? Yeah. And the conspiracy goes as such: is that Carrie Lake would win Arizona, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania would all have Republican governors, right, or Republican Secretary of States, and then Donald Trump would run, and he would lose. He would lose the electoral college, and as we know, the popular vote is big on their team until it's not. And because even though he loses, that those governors would refuse to certify his uh, Biden or Kamala's victory in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Arizona. These these pivotal states, right? Here here's a fun one for you. See what you think about this one. Let's say now Michigan, and so now they're saying that that has been avoided because Pennsylvania has Shapiro, Michigan Whitmer's reelected, Evers is reelected in Wisconsin, and we still don't know about Arizona. But even if Carrie Lake wins and she goes full, you know, election battery, whatever, it wouldn't matter. So here, here's a fun one that somebody floated, and I just started laughing. What happens if Donald Trump wins fair and square? Let's say he wins the electoral college, and handedly. There's no, there's no recall or there's no uh, – not recalls, but there's no recounts. There's no closes. There's no hanging chads. It's a pretty decisive you know, 312, 320 electoral vote victory. What happens if the governors of Pennsylvania, the Democratic governors of Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin – all refuse to seat his electoral votes because, oh, of, because of he's an eminent threat to the republic. <laughs> yep, that would have been. What do you think the New York Times writes on that one? Uh huh. <laughs> fine with it. Yeah, this is a threat to democracy. Respect. Remember, he, when when he beat Hillary, you had that Martin Sheen video come out. People kind of forget about this with all the celebrities begging for faithless electors. They, we're not asking you to vote for Hillary. We, we do, you don't have to vote for Hillary. All it says is don't vote for Donald Trump, you know, like, and so I thought it's not above them to try something like this because of his, he's an imminent threat to the Republic. So I just thought, what happens when Whitmer Evers and Shapiro in Pennsylvania all go, uh, we're not going to, we're going to not certify this election. Right. right. How, yeah, how it, it could how funny would that be? Oh, it'd be hilarious. It would be it's such a great it's a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy, but it's still funny. And somebody floated that. I just started cracking up. Yeah. 
that would be amazing to watch. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm fine with, you know, go for it, Don, you know, do what you can do. And, you know, I, I think you and I as well, we don't really focus on politicians because we kind of have a distaste for all of them. Um, but if we can use someone in the office for a few years and we think they'll get the job done, we'll they'll advance our political footballs a few yards, then it's like, okay, I'll go with that one. And I don't care if it's Tulsi or DeSantis or God forbid, Christie or Trump. If I think you can do the job and get what I want done, done. Cool. Let's do it. Let's see what we can do here. And I don't know, uh, you know, Trump is about the bottom of the list because I saw him in action and I agreed with a lot of what he did policy wise um, and ignored the goofy personality stuff because that just doesn't matter much to me. I'm a Cal Coolidge guy. I just want someone boring as hell who just gets the job done, keeps to himself. I don't see him on TV 24 seven and just uh, knock stuff out. Um, yeah, if Trump thinks he can win, go for it. But man, this freak out already when, again, DeSantis hasn't done anything. He just sounds like a crazy man, you know, the old man in the attic just screaming and rattling furniture up there. What's going on in Arizona, John? All right. I will do a quick summary. I just wrote about it for the Arizona Republic, the paper I write for out here. And uh, yeah, they just need to overhaul the voting system. Florida can count the votes you know, in a few hours, you know, we knew DeSantis won five minutes after the polls closed, essentially. So come on, guys, pull it together. Um, so basically, we just need to mimic Florida's voting system. As far as the elections are going, the votes coming in now are going to be almost all election day votes. And that means they're going to be overwhelmingly GOP. So the leads you see that the Democrats have now are Instead of a red mirage, they're a blue mirage. I see uh, Kerry Lake and most of the Republican candidates getting in. I don't know about some the people who are like five percent or so behind are Blake Masters and the Secretary of State candidate who has really stopped the steely. Um, I don't know how it's going to go either way with those two. Um, it's going to come down to how these vote counts roll in. They are going to be extremely tight uh, for so we might be stuck with Senator Kelly. We might get Blake Masters. I am certainly not losing hope on any of these races because we just need to see how the votes break. Down and Blake Masters closed very, very strong. So I think the people who did vote election day are more liable to vote for him anyway. And since people in the state aren't big, aren't really thrilled if they're conservatives with mail-in ballots, I, I just see um, a big GOP uh, swath of votes coming in. So I think it will be very good statewide for Republicans. I'm just not sure if Blake Masters is going to be pulled out, but man, I hope he does. Because basically, Mark Kelly ran on, hey, I'm an astronaut who likes abortion. Vote for me. Uh, you know, six months of that crap. You're like, really? That's what you're focused on? It was funny seeing Mark Kelly campaign in his astronaut jacket the last mm-hmm. few weeks or whatever. So here's my question. So if it comes down to all of the senior citizens, the retired senior citizens, Arizona counting ballots, or all of the senior citizens in Nevada counting ballots, who finishes first? <laughs> I think Arizona will because there's just a weird level of dysfunction in Clark County. It's Las Vegas, and it's just there's just a nutty factor there that you know we are have. You saying Arizona's just, Arizona's retirees are more competent than Nevada's retirees. Yeah, and yeah. Why? why or why not? Is it just yeah. the snowbirds from <laughs> that go to Arizona get get? I don't know what's what what's the difference. There's not a whole lot of difference in climate from Nevada to Arizona, so you can't 
really say it's you know more temperate. So why why then are Arizona's retirees and senior citizens more competent than Nevada's? Because, because of the gambling, the gin joints gambling away. Their, uh, so they're just like their their brain. Their brains are mashed potatoes from staring <laughs> at slot machines. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. If you've ever okay. walked into uh, one of the uh, less reputable Vegas casinos, you'll just see every slot machine taken up by an old lady with a camel filterless hanging out of her lips and a big bucket of coins next to her. It's just like that messes you up, man. And they just think that that's like counting ballots, just pushing the button repeatedly is no different than like <laughs> right, counting right. A, a ballot. So they think that they can do that. Just like, slapping on it like a rat asking for more rat food. You know, it's just like pat, 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 pat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they said they not, even until, that not even until not even until Monday at this point. Yeah. Like we're going to know the results of the Georgia runoff before we know the results of Arizona and Nevada. Yeah, someone who's not getting nailed for it is all the house races in California. They're they've counted like forty percent in a lot of those races. Like, and the and the mayor's race. Yeah, in, yeah the mayor's race as well. LA is like they've oh. only counted like forty percent of the vote there. Like, how is this not like a bigger deal? Like how is this not a bigger thing? Like people look at this and go, it's not shenanigans. I'm not sitting here saying it's voter fraud. But how do people just not look at this and go, how can like Brazil do this in a, in five hours? But yeah. like. I California guess Brazil is the first world country and California isn't anymore. It's crazy. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, I actually got um, DMs coming in from Hungary and Brazil saying, what the hell's wrong with your state, man? We <laughs> we counter votes in a few hours. What's wrong? Do you need our help? Do you, do you want us to some, fl- fly some Brazilians up there to count? I'm like, yeah, that might help. Yeah, All I, right, I, man. I, don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. It's it's weird. It's weird that this. Um, you know, so I think Charles Cook said they need to just deploy Jeb Bush to every state in the country and say this is how we this is how we turned Florida into a big from a big cluster cuss to yeah. basically the gold standard of vote counting. Yep. And they are the gold standard now. And that's all states need to do is just emulate what Florida did, recreate it in their own state. This is not rocket science. Get it passed. You know, you can get it passed with bipartisan support. Just do it, folks. This is embarrassing. All right. Well, you need to get off to interviews. I need to edit this, mother. So thanks so much for being on. Really appreciate it. And where can people listen to your podcast and read your content and all that good stuff? Oh, God. I'm everywhere these days. Yeah. Yeah, follow him on busy. Twitter. You'll find that's the gate to open all the goodness. Follow, follow my Twitter for now until the website goes under next week. <laughs> um, but also, obviously, I'm on Patreon with uh, my own podcast there. I do four days a week. I'm also uh, I'm I'm also licensed through an app called Callin, which I think you've been on as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and you've obviously appeared with me. And I and I'm doing. I usually do like two a week, just to kind of like listen to people. It's one of the things I love about that app. Um, you know, I think in conservative commentary especially there's too many people just talking to themselves or to yep. amongst each, amongst each other on panels and stuff and what I love about Colin is I get to talk to people all over the country I get to talk about their experiences um, my favorite Colin episode was when uh, Uvalde happened and you had people making fun of Ted Cruz saying single enter 
different schools. Mm -hmm. And everyone who I had on that night, every single one of them, their kid goes to a single entrance school. So, you know, the the, the Tim Millers at the Bulwark and everything and those people and the Molly Jong Fast are just, you know, doing their cool kid act at this notion. So that's that's what I love about Colin. So I do that as well. And you can download that app from the App Store. Um, I'm writing over at, obviously, Spectator still. And uh, once in a while at Washington Examiner when they when they have me. So, um, yeah. And like, of course, get me on Twitter for now um, until uh, that site gets blown up completely here probably next week. It's uh, it's getting a little weird over there. Thank you very much for spending time with us. Great to catch up with you. And we will talk to you later, sir. Thanks, John. Anytime. Always good to talk to Mr. Miller. Now, enough about politics. Let's talk about me. All right. Um, I've been writing a lot, wrote for CNN, wrote for, well, I just published an article in the Arizona Republic explaining why the vote counting is so slow in Arizona and what they can do to fix it. I will include a link in the show notes to that brilliant article. And uh, yeah, uh, keep an eye out wherever I've been talking to a lot of talk show hosts and Blaze TV folks and kind of all over the place. And uh like, uh, as you can probably tell, I'm a little bit uh, sleepy and out of it and scatterbrained. Um, so trying to hold it together. Hey, um, I didn't really prepare a song of the week. So I am going to choose a kind of a band I rediscovered. I love these guys in the 90s. There's this whole lo-fi movement in the early to mid 90s. We had bands like Pavement and Sebado and a zillion other ones who just kind of cranked out catchy as hell songs played as long as the riff didn't get annoying and got out of town. So the songs might be a minute and a half. They might be five minutes, but they're just no fuss, no muss, but great music. And here is a band. It came up randomly on Spotify, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I used to listen to these guys constantly, and uh, I haven't uh, listened to them in a while. So here is official Iron Man Rally song by Guided by Voices. It's like the We Are the Champions for the indie Gen X 90s generation lo-fi, fill in any descriptors you got here. Um, But yeah, I got to see them live back in the heyday, and it was fun, and uh, they really enjoyed drinking beer. And at the time I saw them, the city they were performing in had just banned smoking and drinking on stage, and so you just had the band cussing out and yelling at uh, cops and stuff like that. And it was rather amusing to watch them hiding behind amps trying to sip beer or, a, I don't know, choke down a coffin nail. So um, very fun band. 
And that is it for the podcast. Thanks to Stephen Miller. Thank you to Beam Dream for helping me sleep because, boy, I need it this week. And uh, thanks to you for listening. Remember to rate, rank, review this fine program. And that's spelled program with an extra M-E at the end because uh, I've been listening to some uh, BBC podcasts and they spell everything funny over there for some reason. But reviewing the show helps more people find it and we always want more listeners. Thanks very much for listening to this one. And I'll talk to you next week. Ricochet. Join the conversation.